Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We're here with a very special guest, someone that I've wanted to have on the show for a while. His name's Rudy Gamble. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me to this very special podcast. I feel like I feel like I'm guesting on Blossom. <laughs> So, whoa, 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 whoa. I just want to, hi, this is Rick Poundstone, and I just wanted to say, you said Rudy Gamble, okay? I See, on my sheet, I have Rudy, this is not Rudy Giuliani. Am I, uh, I, I just, just, I just, I know it says Rudy G there, but um, no. It's, this not, is, it's not Rudy Gobert either. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's patient, patient zero, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, yeah he's the one that spread the... So they, uh, I thought I was not, talking I'm not to here a, to spread conspiracy or COVID. <laughs> I thought I was talking to an American, uh, you know, patriot hero tonight, but uh, okay, you are just a different one. Okay, well, uh, well, I'm excited, I guess. Either way, I you know, I thought I was in for Mr. Giuliani, but I guess Mr. What is it, Gambino will do, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if, yeah, I guess we should have warned him. We have, um, I don't know if, I don't know if he's listened to any of the of our podcast before, but um, we, there's some, I guess you call them characters on the show. I don't know if you, I don't know if you're prepared for that. I'm mildly prepared. I did some homework. Okay. Cool. Um, so um, I've been using um, the Rasball. I don't know what you, there's so many things that it's called streaminator hittertron. I don't even know what to, what I know. I know what I want to see, but I don't know what everything's called, but um, that's, that's fine. I mean, if you remember the Raz ball part and then, yeah, it's all under the same, I think you're in the Roto deluxe package. So the non DFS stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, yeah. So it's mainly the streaming pitchers, the streaminator, the hitter stuff's hittertron. There is a relievenator for all relievers. Um, but if you focus on weekly, I jammed the relievers into with the starters um, as part of that. Yeah. You can filter it by, with all pitchers and I think just the relievers. Um, and we'll get into a bit of the, the detail later, but it's rasball.com. And it's uh, one of the few things I used and it's been very valuable so far. Hey, Brandon Drury, right? I know he, he was, he was pretty high and yeah. And he's yeah. Hurt, but um, he's still, I know. He, he well, still yeah, probably him paid and, off. Him and uh, yeah, he had two homers. I mean, I think uh, him and, uh, yeah, the whole the Reds lineup looked pretty gutted today. Um, Senzel and Stevenson were out too, uh, but uh, yeah, no, they, I try not to focus too much on the uh, the short term wins. Like I even I know I, I was looking today and I was getting asked why Arizona bats looked so good, and it was really like the winds blowing out to left field in uh, Cincy and Mike Miner's pitching, and it's like right. so pretty much if you were. Banking on a homer today, the best bet was Christian Walker. And there lo and go. behold, Dang. But, but, but that stuff's like, you know, I think I had him at like 0.35 homers. So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. one in three. So you could, I mean, a pessimist might say, you, I underestimated. I said it was only a 35% chance of happening, and it, and it was a 100% chance. Just so everyone knows, Drury um, was your hitter number six, I believe. Um, Maybe it's even like four. It was, yeah. I mean, this was four? looking. Yeah, you were looking and bring it up Monday to Thursday. Yeah, that's, that's gone. Like, that's gone now, right? I can't see that anymore. Yeah, uh, probably, or it's or it's basically frozen. I forget which. The, um, but um, either way, it doesn't matter. It's- and yeah, and Monday. So Monday to Thursday is just a, a one where uh, number of games could be variable. Could you know you could be down to two, which is what Chicago. Like uh, the Cubs, I know we're a, a two-game team, and the Reds were one of the few four-game teams, and it just leads to such a huge swing 
that um yeah it's 33 it, swing right it's yeah i mean i, I generally go with the mo that yeah two game, those two game weeks like you should not be playing them and that you should ideally be fabbing to avoid ever getting stuck with a two game week um or a two game half week right. but if it's a two game week I would really, I'd really <laughs> yeah. try to fab that. I mean, that it has to, I, you must I would get some be art involved in that. Yeah, or, or I'd suggest maybe try to draft guys that start for their teams. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I've listened to you on podcasts before. I want to make sure that like, there's a lot of complex things that go into your system that like, I don't think everyone needs to understand, but I want to make nope. sure that like, um, I ask you questions that if, if it, if not just to understand it, but like, it's going to help me as well. So I want to make sure that like questions I'm asking you are going to help the average person, like the average NFBC player, rather than just asking questions to like, what's in your soup, like, like the soup that makes up your projections that aren't going to help. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, we got, we got some, we got a lot of, we got a stuff, a lot of stuff to cover, but we got Rick here. Um, He's IT. I don't know if you formally met. He thought, I guess he didn't, he didn't know who you were, but um, I don't, I don't know if you've listened to the show, but he has a segment that he does, and we're just going to have to tolerate it, okay? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's... I'll play the song here. That coming through, or...? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's not It's not great quality. Like, you are IT, right? So, it's... I, I, well, would, I... Expect, I, I would expect uh, something like that to be your expertise, right? Something well, you like know, that. it is. Yes, it is my expertise. And hi, this is Rick Poundstone. Welcome into the Dog Pound. And we've got a question here for Rudy Jul. Um, I'm going to have to really work on that. Uh, Rudy, uh, Rudy G, uh, we've got a question for you here real quick to start the podcast. And that is, you know, we've heard a lot about this uh, for years. If a player were to hit a home run and steal a banks in the same game, we call it a combo meal. And I think it was the boys from Espen uh, that created that over the years. It's a combo meal. Well, now we've got people wanting to change that. Okay, this is coming from all over the place I'm seeing, um, you know, and I want to get your take, uh, Mr. G, on what is the best name for this phenomenon. And here's what we've got. This is the options. We've got the combo meal. Uh, lately, people have been talking about this. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, sock and a shoe. Now, we've also got the power pilfer. We've got the bomb burglar. We've got uh, Homer heist. We've, of course, got dinger embezzlement. We've got knockoff wallop. Then, of course, you've got the round trip ripoff. Mash in a mug. Uh, four bag fraud. The Shot Swindler, Long Ball Larceny, uh, we've got the Moonshot Misappropriation, the Cannon Con, the uh, Jack Gypped, and of course the Jack Jude, and of course uh, we can't forget the beloved uh, Tater Snatch. Yeah, we, we've had one at Razzball that probably predates the combo meals, um, uh-huh. which is the Tater Snatch. I'm, I'm a little bit I feel like, oh. no, um, no, we call it the slamming legs. The slamming legs. <laughs> okay. That almost sounds a little, I don't know. Sa- well, it rhymes, with, it rhymes with ham and eggs. Um, oh, well, so hungry. the slamming legs, yes. But 
um, I believe there's some places you can go on, on, you know, the, uh, I have heard uh, slamming legs, I, su- I suppose, could be used as like a, a brunch menu item at some establishments. I could see it at maybe a uh, Danny's or uh, Eat and Puke or one of those type places. But uh, I do thank you, uh, Mr. Giuliani, for your feedback. And this has been the Dog Pound. Thanks, Rick. That's a good segment you have there. So let's uh, finish there. Great. Huh? Thanks, Rick. Yeah. Good job. Okay. So, Rudy, um, when you're, um, when you're, I guess, um, fine-tuning your projection system, do you use uh, any other projection systems? And if you do, I guess, what, what are the ones you find most valuable? Right. So, that there's not a lot for during the season. During the preseason, um, that's, an, that's a time where I'm doing a lot more cross-evaluation. Um, I mean, I'll look at generally the, I'll look at fan graphs. If there's a player that I'm not, I'm feeling a little, um, I feel like I'm too bullish or bearish on that. I'm getting the projection from steamer. I mean, the first thing I'm obviously looking at what steamer puts out in fan graphs, which uses the fan graph depth charts, but, uh, I'll look at, you know, uh, Derek's the bat, um, look at where as, you know, generally I'm looking at the bat and, um, steamers regular one zips the playing time is kind of funky so i don't really get a lot out of it and atc so is derivative of other stuff so i kind of um i probably look at derek stuff and just the steamer with uh the other playing time to compare against right i just i'm just sorry i'm backtracking i didn't have this on the on the agenda but i, I listened to you like i said uh, i forget if i said this before we started or not but i left listen to you on the cork stat podcast with my good friend john l and um you said you said that you met um gray who's your i guess business partner or whatever uh yep. in, col- in college what, what what's your, what sort of your background because obviously you're like a, a numbers genius so like what, uh, what is your background uh i studied uh business in in undergrad Okay, cool. And didn't do any type of MBA or anything like that. Um, generally stronger probably in math than writing, although creative writing I get I got pretty good at. But um, And then just kind of self-taught. So through work stuff, I do a lot of Excel. And then, you know, going from, a, do, once you're good enough at Excel, migrating to things like SQL isn't too hard. Um, but the math genius stuff tends to get into R Python type of scripting. Right. And I never graduated to that. I think I started a little too late. Yeah. That's uh, over my skis as well. I'm just like, I can, I'm okay with Excel. That's about it. Um, so yeah, like um, Roswell player reader, that's something that everyone uses to, that's, that's the thing that everyone uses to settle bets on Twitter, the Roswell player reader. So you, you sort of become the, the standard Rick, are you? Yeah. No, and, and just, you know, if there's a bet, I mean, I'm not, I could use money. So if, if I need to fudge something in the player raider to help solve a bet, you know, you know, try to make it worth my while. Can you give Buxton like a 300 batting average? That, that would be real. That would, uh, that would be tough. That'd be <laughs> like trying to give him like 500 at bats. Oh, fuck, fuck off. Um, yeah. Okay. Rick, relax. Um, all right. So the, the, the Raider, um, 
I, I look at I look at your player Raider, and I also look at the Yahoo Raider, and I guess ESPN has a Raider too. I don't play. I mm-hmm. I have a couple of leagues on Yahoo, so I can sort of compare. And I notice they are different. And I have like yeah. a and I, and I I do my best to compare apples to apples because I have a five by five regular Roto league. Yeah, Yahoo, and and it is different. So like I don't. I'd imagine you don't know exactly what goes into their sauce, but what do you expect or what do you, what, what do you think is different? Yeah. So I've, I haven't looked too close at the Yahoo one. Um, I've looked more at the ESPN one. Um, and so what you're talking about is like the season to date one. So obviously in the yeah. preseason or if re- or rest of season one, you're going to have all the variables of different projections. So this is like, you would think. This is the historical. Yeah. Yeah. So for the season to date, um, so there's two aspects, I guess you could um, to think about like a player rate. And there's just like some base assumptions without going in, into depth on what they do is think of it as one, you've got like an underlying methodology on how you do it. Um, and then there's the endless tweaks, iterations, improvements that come along um, generally from you feeling the pain of when it's wrong or when it's not intuitive and you're digging into it. So pride is a big driver after you've gotten through the initial thing. So you might say, oh, this looks perfect. You know, like it, and then um, then you realize it's flaws. So my base assumption why I think it'd be different and why I think mine would be better is that when it's ESPN or Yahoo, they just had someone code that thing as a one-off and that person's not looking at it again. That person's probably not employed there. I mean, what are the chances the guy who did the ESPN player Raider is still around? That code becomes like a black box. No one can explain it. It just is. And there's no and, accounta- there's no accountability for them either. Like, what what happens if it's shitty? Like, no one yeah. like who's gonna what's where's uh, the accountability there? Well, it's like at a big company, you just you just deflect it. Where pretty much every Raswell tool, you can blame me, um, <laughs> and I and I don't have much recourse because um, I can't like oh that's the bot, but I create the bot so. Um, so I think that's one, if, you know, as you get into the underlying methodology, if you're going to code it, the general way people do it is using Z scores, um, where, where it's harder to do, um, standard gains points and mine isn't a pure standard gains points, but it's a variant, but it's similar in that you're trying to, uh, adjust or rank people based on the impact of standings and not just be the way, you know, some standard deviation. So the thing is, yeah, you, there's going to be based on Z-scores. I found if you do a Z-score methodology right for like preseason, it's roughly the same. I think it's it's harder to rein in stolen bases and saves. With that, um, sometimes ratios might get out of whack because um, you have to adjust for things like, well, um, a two and a half ERA over 200 innings is worth more than a hundred innings. So there's some stuff then there that maybe on a first take would be in there and would be in mine. Um, so I tend to find that, yeah, if you look deep enough and then I think like ESPNs is just like a random points, like it's like, Oh, this guy's number one at 15 points. And it's like, what? doesn't mean anything. <laughs> um, and um, so I think tying mine to uh, dollars, you know, that all the, you know, if it was a 15 team player rater, it should uh, generally be very close to 15 times 260 would equal the sum of all players at dollar plus. So right. that's giving you a sense of how it compares to preseason. 
Um, and then also showing you that at a category level um, where, yeah, that, um, and I'd say, I mean, the other things that come in is that, um, and we might, maybe you're going to ask a question this and I'll, I'm preempting it, but um, part of mine is that I'm saying, I'm determining first, this is the rostered universe. This is my best guess at who play, who'd be owned. Mm. Now we know it's artificial because season to date, we've been swapping guys in and out. Right. And this is based on just um, the total stats, but that's, it's leading to, I think a more realistic view on things where if you built Z scores and you build it on every player, you're counting guys that um, let's say are really fast, but no one's going to play them. So like, it just doesn't matter if uh, Tyler Wade has eight stolen bases, he's not rostered. So those eight stolen bases are just waste they shouldn't ever be considered. Um, but you can, but um, you probably would consider a guy with 12 homers, no matter how awful he is. That's right. um, so, so those kind of things are go into creating that roster. Um, I think with a Z score methodology, like I said, there's stuff you can do, um, but I don't think are done in those. So I think if you dug in on a few kind of outlier guys, you'd find things you'd be like, wow, I don't feel like they penalized this uh, stolen base guy enough for having zero homers. Like how could, you know, like I'm looking at a guy with zero homers and eight stolen bases versus 10 and three. And the difference doesn't seem right. It feels like that guy. And yeah. I think, yeah, you'll see in my way, you'll be like, oh, I see the price for playing Miles Straw. Mm-hmm. There's we're, some we're, that's, that's a guy I want to ask you about later. Like, yeah, he's, it's he's easy. on the agenda. Totally. And, and so basically, yeah, like we know it, what the player writer should be telling you is that like, Oh, you're, pay, you're giving up homers and RBI money, whatever you're making in stolen bases, you're giving up most of it in homers and RBIs. And yeah, he better be driving up the stolen bases and giving you the, some runs in our, at least average runs and decent average because yeah, the homers and RBI is already a pretty big uh, haircut on the, the stolen bases. Right. And that was actually my next question on the agenda is like players like you use the example of Tyler Wade. I was going to use uh, Dylan Moore, basically same idea. Like, yeah. like I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what goes into these projection systems or Raiders. And I, I sometimes I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I'm some trepidation um, with um, trusting them because I don't know if they're including all those like, like Dylan Moore's 15 stolen bases in the pool of available stolen bases when they're really not. Right. And, right. You, and you answered that question. So well, there's, like I said at the start, I wanted to, I want to, I want to only understand something if I can apply it. And we talked about the Raswell player Raider. It's a useful tool for like, you know, betting with your, with your friends, but also like, I don't even know if there's an answer to this, but it's, it is a backward looking tool, but is there a way mm-hmm. to use like the, the, the player Raider as a forward looking tool? I personally don't. Um, I use the rest of season player Raider for sure. Yeah. For, under, for evaluating for that, um, I do think it's helpful from a learning exercise um, of understanding, is a guy successful? Is he valuable? Um, if so, what's the context? Looking at, you know, like a guy who was, who's been discussed on Twitter a lot has been Clay Holmes. Um, he's a guy that if you looked at his stats prior to Aroldis going down, he was valuable. And but maybe a lot of it was in the winds, but you could see the impact of of ERA and WHIP. And you'll hear people 
you know, I think it, it's helpful for educating yourself and understanding the context of things. If a guy's successful, how much of that's sustainable? Because so we know wins, particularly as a reliever, aren't as sustainable. So, um, but and maybe comparing that versus rest of season and understanding, it's it's probably a good, a useful thing for just getting a better feeling for, you know, and the inevitable questions I'll get on Streaminator for things like why does it hate Tony Gonsolin? And it's like the guy's not striking out enough guys. It's possible his controls better, you know, that he's found some gear. He's in a zone that he's not walking as many guys. His BABIP's been crazy, crazy good. So if you look at where he's been and what it's expected, that's giving you kind of a sense for, uh, you know, giving you a sense of where the regression's happening, maybe in a way that's just, instead of getting into the ERA and whip, you're getting more into like seeing it just from a five by five world. So back to Clay Holmes. And I know our, our buddy uh, Gecko has been talking about him a lot on, on Twitter. Um, yeah. Do you think that's sort of like a, like a happenstance in terms of how he has been valuable and, and, and with the role this Chapman's injury, because you got a guy like Adam Simber on the Jays, who also yeah. I think he had like he had six wins. I think I said that he had more wins in the entire Kansas City Royals rotation at, like a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, so like, what's really like if you if you want to say Holmes is so valuable, you can also say Simber is so valuable. Like, but I guess you're just you're I don't know you're you're hoping that Chapman um, is injured, and you're hoping that that um, Clay Holmes continues on this uh, I'll call it un, unsustainable pace of wins. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, I think Gecko was was uh you know like proven right on the clay holmes thing i mean I, I don't think there was an argument there that he was pitching wonderfully but i do think it, there was definitely some buy low potential there um you know i think at the end of the day the difference between clay holmes and ryan helsley is pretty minor except helsley should have had even on um even with gallegos healthy had uh, could take some saves where Clay Holmes was pretty much locked out. Um, I think the wins were kind of fluky, not totally fluky, but there's pretty much a cap of something like six or so uh, relief wins per season, you know, where, I mean, there's guys that have gone on heaters like uh, Brent Suter, I think a year ago. What about Alex Reyes? Like, I think it was last year, 10 wins and 30 saves. That's yeah, I mean, like, That's... right, and that 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 tenth inning uh, put man on second definitely goosed up some uh, prime reliever runs because it sped up some games. Um, but but I yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, the way I look at the gecko thing is is probably more complimentary than most would be on it. And I I would say he picked he, and I did say this on Twitter so that. I, mean, I would look at it like he's touted three relievers that he's been really big fond of uh, Duran on Minnesota Holmes and Helsley. I mean, and right now all three are pitching great. Um, and they each have kind of a spread in their roles, but all could have been had for less than 10 bucks yeah. at some point. So how, you know, how he's looking at relievers seems to be pretty valuable. Next guy he touts. I'm definitely listening. Um, I was on the same page with him with uh, Duran for, for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, Helsley, I thought he wildly overbid and seems to be 
you know, I, I think I, I'd say I'm right on that. And yeah, I'm, I'm kicking myself. We did end up getting Clay Holmes in a, in the one league I had Chapman in a 12 team. We, you know, we, we eventually got Holmes for like 150 bucks. Right. And I could live with that. But um, I said, yeah, no, I think, uh, but yeah, the, the thinking that Clay Holmes was going to have a prorated, let's say a 12 win potential that he was that unicorn that I would disagree with. And I'm but, not sure. And just to be clear, I don't think either of us are saying that's what Gecko was implying that he would get well, 12 think, wins. No, but he, but he was saying that the win, you know, like, I think he might, there was more, he was, he's probably seeing there's a little more signal in those wins than noise. Um, but, but yeah, so there's probably some argument there, but some people say wins are totally fluky. I would just say there was some fluke in Clay Holmes wins. His wins were not sustainable. You're not going to, you can't bank on a project, a guy to have 10 plus relief wins. Yeah, it just doesn't really happen. I don't think that's wise, but I think what he's done is he's taken the elite skills and, and, and the potential or the opportunity yeah. for, for saves, which is what you need. And I'm talking to you, I'm very much a numbers projection guy and yeah. not that I don't do any of that, but I'm like, I'm going to talk to you as like a, a player that mm-hmm. is playing Roto, a five by five category player. Who's a decent player, let's say, and mm-hmm. you're uh, an expert numbers guy. I'm going to say to you that I want Clay Holmes probably 20 times more than I want Ryan Helsley because neither of them are assured of the role, but I think as somebody that's going to be as a player that wants to, I guess, have a player that's going to be valuable rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Holmes is like that. The team context matters so much that the Cardinals are a team that are, you're always going to be concerned about sharing that role. Whereas the Yankees, it's either, it's, it's sort of a binary result and that just makes Holmes so much more valuable in my opinion. What do you have to say about that? I mean, pre-Chapman injury, because remember, this was a, he was not, he, he had control issues last year. He was pitching uh, okay this year, but not great. And he had a fluke heel injury. I mean, so Gallegos could have had a fluke injury. Um, so no, no, I mean, I would have said they're roughly the same. And it, it's just easier for me to bucket guys like that. Um so it would be one where if I had Holmes, I wouldn't just flip him for Helsley and vice versa. Um, now, obviously, Holmes is much more valuable. Um, but uh, no, I, I would just put those two and, I'd, and Duran to an extent as just a bucket of like, these are guys that if you told me they were the main closer, they're pretty much top 10 potential re- you know, valuable relievers. I mean, cause there's so few that are in like the Pantheon now. Um, so. What about another that, guy? Andres Munoz is another guy that Gecko did tout. Like if you were paying attention, he did. I, I, I've, I've had him on my t- main event team too. That um, team just not Gecko. Cause he, he's, yeah, they only put like a, yeah, he's not, he's not in fab. The um, now Munoz, not as, I mean, there's, there's some potential there. I, I, I banked on that. I put in like 10 bucks or so. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it, he hasn't shown the ability to pitch. He hasn't been pitching frequently enough. Um, not as sure on the control, but yeah. I mean, if he, if he starts getting hot, but I mean, like you're just kind of rolling relievers like that. I, I pers- right now, I mean, having to deal with Sewell and Castillo, yeah. Um, because Steckenrider seems like he's now out, and you have Ken Giles lurking, 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I bid on that one and I cut them like a week later and kind of was like, uh, that wasn't too smart. And that wasn't influenced by anything. It was just kind of like, I think he had just gotten dropped and I, you know, had him later in the queue. Um, but there will be more relievers like that. Um, I mean, the guy I've got, I'll, on my main event bench right now. And I, it's a bit of a uh, splurge even have without my injuries right now to have one reliever is uh Schreiber on, on Boston. Yeah. Um, Cause that's a, that, that situation's on fire. Um, I didn't really see the Hulk thing coming. Um, what is the Hulk thing? Like what Hulk might be the closer. I don't know. Um, yeah. But supposedly it was big. the, um, but I mean, Boston's such a mess. So that this is one where like, I basically took a two week free rental on Schreiber. If he doesn't pitch in the ninth by Sunday, he's probably cut. I took a couple just, shots on Dominguez this week. Sir Anthony on Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. But I did a uh, Kniebel just write the ship. Did he save he walked, the last game? Yeah. He did get the same, but he walked three batters to start off the inning. Oh, so. that doesn't really count. Yeah. That he's, he's pulling up Pagan. I don't know what he's doing. Oh my God. Yeah. No, those, I mean like, yeah. Reliever. I think uh, those are kind of like half blown saves. The, re- the manager remembers it. I mean, granted, I don't, I forget if, if the manager on that team's still there that saw that start effort um, yeah. since they've already fired one, but um, you can't be half, yeah, preg- no, you can't be half I, pregnant. So he's right now. I think the Domingo, <laughs> yeah, D- Domingo's I would, tra- I would trade Schreiber for Domingo's. So yeah, that, that's a that's a good call. Um, hey boys, hey, I just wanted to. This is Rick Poundstone. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, quick update. We were talking about this D bags game earlier, and it looks like this uh, Jordan, the lo- lollipop. Um, he hit a homer now uh, against yeah. that Mike Miner. So I don't know where his his uh, projection was for home run, but uh, Jordan Luplop, uh has <laughs> now a homer. He he was he was pretty ridiculously high. Um, he he's kind of known, and even though it probably doesn't exist, really, he's kind of known as a lefty masher. Um, and so yeah, he was remarkably high for what would be considered a non everyday player. For so I'm looking now, there were 270 players projected today he was at christian walker was one jordan luplo was two bingo whoa and i mean then yeah judge Votto, stanton jordan and then buxton what is uh, um so yeah so my boy buxton there is there's a weird yeah weird thing with uh cincy if the you know like I think it's those Cincinnati and Cleveland, man. If the wind's blowing out, the ball, I, like there's some, I, that, was, that was some analysis I did uh, like two weeks ago and it integrated in that there's just some stadiums that it's hard to explain. I don't get it. Like, I don't, I'm not one that gets into the physics. Cubs, it's like if, Wrigley? if you give me, if you give me a couple of years of data, uh, Wrigley, yes. Wrigley is kind of the infamous one. Yeah. There's the Chicago, um, and it's it, totally true. It's a very wind sensitive stadium, uh, which makes sense when you start, when you look at it <laughs> and there's, there's not a lot blocking the wind there. It's a low stadium. Um, but 
yeah, it was, it was injured. Cleveland, Cincinnati were two that jumped out. Um, Pittsburgh is completely wind diverse. Like there was even stats I had that said like more homers were hit per plate appearance when the wind was blowing in versus out. Um, which just gives me the sense that like something's a little weird um, there. So it's, it's better just to ignore wind where, yes, I would not ignore wind if it's blowing out in sincere Cleveland, where like I said, there's definitely same you do, you do ignore it. So one more thing about the, not to beat these closers to death, but um, I was looking at your reliever rankings, I think going into this week. And I think you had uh, talking about Gallegos and Helsley. Uh, I think you had Gallegos like at like double as likely to earn a save. I think he had like he was projected for like 0.7 and Helsley's at 0.3. So that, yeah. I don't know if I'm, I don't really have a question, but it just I'm just gonna have a comment that it sort of surprised me at how close that, that was. So I don't it, know if you want to give away anything or you can. Oh, it's on not that. giving away. I mean, like we all know, like saves and holds are the worst to project, and that so that thing is. So it, it basically is taking, you know, the best way to say you, you start with um, a rest, a role expectation. So that they rest the season and then you're looking at what's happened in the last two weeks or so and, and kind of adjusting on the fly. So sometimes if a guy gets a fluke save, all of a sudden you'll see him shoot from zero to ah, 0.1 or 0.2. If he gets mm-hmm. a second one, then it starts believing it. So it's kind of one where I've tried to build it to be smarter than me. Like a rolling, uh, it sounds like a, sort of like a rolling average. Type it's a thing. blended one. Cause it's, cause you're also looking at the rest of season thing. So that, so the reality is that like um, when a roll this comes back, it's now I think I've corrected him. So let's say it's more a case where the, the backup, uh, the clear backup is getting saves. And now the, the main guy comes back. It's, kind of meant that he takes over but it gives probably the the uh the temporary guy a little bit of saves until it gets cleared out so that was the case with presley and montero that montero and i think montero still probably has a little bit of saves in his projection so it's trying trying to build it to be a little bit more dynamic because and then i'm not sitting there reading the tea leaves every day and trying to guess at it because if i was that good at it i would be I'd have more saves on my mate on my uh, teams. <laughs> saves are tough. So I I, I heard you say, um, or I've heard someone say that if you don't have, if you don't get this tool, this uh, the streamer tone, the, the Rasball tools, you're leaving a lot of edge on the table. Can you talk Who about said that? that? I don't know. I heard it somewhere. Maybe on uh, Big John Studs podcast. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, maybe oh, a Mr. Legay. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, John Legayza. Yes. Two yeah. Eyes on. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with it. Um, I think the misnomer on something like this is that it like impedes you for making your own decisions. Um, for me, I look at it that the key decisions I'm making every week are kind of evaluating on your current roster and who you have to start, sit or drop. And some of that's driven by injuries, but like I said, like I see a, a two start week coming, let's say you had Ian Happ. You should not be playing him right now from Monday to Thursday. So that would be flagged as, okay, well, how's my bench depth? Um, I'm constantly evaluating my bench depth. Um, you know, a team that got hit with injuries. I think I took, uh, I think he's auto paternity now, but like Luis Rangifo, but just as like 
I'm like, I need a depth guy because I don't know if someone's going to get hurt. Um, of course, Ustakas got hurt and I didn't have a backup CI. Uh, but um, so you're, you're evaluating the team and then you're prioritizing FabBits. And um, to me, tools helping is kind of a security bug to make sure you've considered all the options. There's nothing worse than at the end of a fab period when you see the bids and you're like, oh my God, I didn't have that guy in my queue. It happened to me last year, or it happened to me positive last year where, you know, Robbie Grossman was surprisingly dropped and I got him for, you know, a decent price, like 80 bucks. And I'm sure some in the league were like, oh man, I didn't know he was there. Um, so if you're using the tools right, that doesn't happen to you. Um, so you get the comprehensiveness. Um, and then just that feeling of people are trying to think of, think of it. If you don't have these pro- projections and you're just looking at these players, you're trying to re- replicate them in your head. You're like, oh, well, this guy's got three games. And the other guy's got two games. This guy's facing a lefty. This one's got two lefties. This one... Uh, is a better hitter for homers. This one's better for stolen bases. You're doing all this mental math. You're not doing it right. You might be really good, but you're still not doing it in a in a um, kind of a rigorous way. I think some so, of what you're saying is intuitive, but the, there's a lot of it that's not. Like the intuitive right. thing, like you listed, like the games, the matchups, like who, what pitcher, what pitcher is the hitter facing? Who, where, where but it's playing? a lot, and you're and you're always going to, you know, when you have multiple factors, you tend to weigh some more than others. You send a, you know, so to me, the edge, a lot of it is that, you know, there's going to be guys that I get. And the reason why is a, a whole bunch of small factors and, you know, I'll see them pop as like guys I should get. And then I'll have to dig in like a guy I got for fab cheap as kind of a filler guy who I'm playing right now is Almora on Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how Drury was super valuable and Senzel had a pretty high number. Well, the thing with Almora is that the team's got some depth limitations right now with uh Nick went out um, and Aquino socks. Um, so Almora's getting playing time. Got four games this in the Monday to Thursday, particularly they're playing at home. Good park. Uh, they face some lefties. The Almora thing was not a huge edge play. And I mean, but I th- I'm pretty sure I think he's started all three games, gotten some runs in RBIs, um, nothing, nothing huge out of it. But that's the kind of edges that you're getting that there's no way you I think. I don't think you go through all that exercise of just looking at the fab guys, looking who's at the top and pick him. Um, so I think it provides a better floor and, and then you're getting the start sit decision. So, yeah, if, if you didn't. I I'll still read Vlad's fab thing and, you know, it's kind of a backup plan and to make sure I'm thinking things and maybe give me some perspective on, Oh, I'm not the only one who wants that guy yeah. or, or wow, the market doesn't want this guy. Okay. I don't have to bid as much. Um, You're saying that because Vlad, the market basically adheres to Vlad's. It's basically, it's, it's a pretty good read. Yeah. I mean, like at least someone is. Yeah. Um, so, but it's not going to help you do start sit decisions. Um, I mean, and if it do, it do, it provides some context, like you know, but it's it's a little harder for that. So I think both tools, like yours and Vlad's, like yeah. going through them before the before Flab, they'll at least I'll at least get one name that I wasn't thinking of, 
right. as, even if you're using them as a bare minimum as a checklist, um, that's that's very valuable. And I think the edge for like someone for someone like myself, it, the edge is in the discipline because I'm when I'm looking at the start sit, I'm sometimes not disciplined. The example yes. I'll give you is Tyler O'Neill came off the IL um, right yeah. before um, lineups were uh, supposed to be set on Monday, I, I think Tuesday. And I think, yeah, they had their first game on Tuesday. And my first instinct, I think, and maybe I don't want to speak for everyone that plays NFBC, but my first instinct is like, get Tyler O'Neill in on every team possible because he's my third round pick or fourth round yeah. pick or whatever, and just get him in at all costs. And that's not necessarily the case because A, um, he's just coming off of injury. B, I don't know if he's going to play all three games and I don't know how you factor that in. And, and C, like, look at the matchups. One of them is against McClanahan, I think, tomorrow. So what, normally, like I'd say maybe, let's just say last year, I probably would have thrown him in everywhere. Now with your yeah. tool, I'm like, okay, it gives me pause because I see what he's, I see what the, the dollar value is. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I don't want to put him in. Like even a guy like Morrell, who you say don't play at all costs, I'm assuming because you don't want to play Hap. I kind of like, like I got two games of him or I got three of O'Neal, but is it really three? Because one's McClanahan. He's probably not going to do well against him. And I don't know if he's going to play every game coming off that injury. So like that decision, like in my gut, without looking at the numbers, I don't have the numbers in front of my head, right. like in front of me, that becomes very, very close for me. Yeah. I think it's, it's thinking through that stuff. And yeah. So, and that in general, um, I guess I'd see that if I was just doing all the analysis without the, the tool, um, I'm, I'm never feeling secure. I'm always kind of worried. Is there, do I have to think about something else? And I think that leads to a lot of, I don't know, frenetic uh, thoughts and potentially time waste where I really want to narrow it down to decisions I have to make. Yeah. And generally every week there's 11 or 12 guys out of the 14 that are no brainers. There's one or two you got to think about. I could focus on them. Um, and yeah, so like I kind of, the thing that helps me the most again is like not making a mistake. I could live with a coin flip error. I mean, man, getting going, uh, Luis Robert over Kyle Tucker last year in the, in a main event draft, that stunk. It's a coin flip. You could, you could tell me you thought Tucker was a little better. You can make any argument, but at the end of the day, they were pretty comparable, I could live with that. It's the, it's the making a decision that you look back on. You're like, why would I have chosen that? I've, you know, like I chose, yeah. I mean like, yeah. So the, the, the regret of last year's draft wasn't that it was drafting a uh, Jorge Soler as our backup to Fran Mil Reyes getting taken and Otani was still on the board Oof. and there, there was just no defense, like going back. I'm like, that was an, error that wasn't a coin flip situation otani was better you're taking a little bit of it feels a little uncomfortable because at the time Puholtz was still there there was always you know otani had never gotten through a full season otani was just, off a lot of people's boards completely just because of the like uh, like the headache a, managing it. right going but into, going uh, into last year but uh, as a android i should have been able to get through that so I would say that that's a pure error and that drove me nuts compared to like Acuna. I picked what we picked one, one that do that again, that happens. And the Louise Robert versus Tucker thing. I mean, I took Tucker over Robert this year (laughs) Um, and that wasn't 
that far from a coin flip either, to be honest. Um, but so, yeah. Uh, hello. Hello. Oh, hey, no. Bjorn, how you doing? No. Oh, oh, oh hello. I just, I, Rick, did my, you give him the link to this? I didn't do shit. Or excuse me. I didn't know. I didn't do anything. I, Bjorn, my, Bjorn, go ahead. My, my Uber just dropped me off and I just got back from the most uh, wonderful experience of my life. Now that I am single, it's just, it's been incredible. Um, hello, hello, Rudy. How are you? Hello, Bjorn. I just wanted to tell Rick a little bit about my weekend and how it went. Uh, huh, yeah, uninterested. I was covered in clay. I w- by the end of it, I was balls deep in clay. It was, clay was <laughs> everywhere. It was unbelievable. This sounds like, is this a gecko fantasy? <laughs> yeah, what is this? Is this a clay hole? Are you talking about what play? Is this a Play-Doh thing? Is this a what is going on here, Bajor? And at the end of it, when I had the, I couldn't believe how good clay tasted. It was unbelievable. Uh, I was at a pot a, a pot pottery retreat this week, and there was there was edible clay at the end, and I just I explored. Never I found myself edible clay. That sounds dangerous. It was it was an incredible incredible pottery retreat, and I, I just had a great time. Sorry, I'm late. I, I just got back into town. Well, you sure know how to make entrance, Bjorn. A, a pottery retreat. <laughs> now, I've only, I've always known this guy was, you know, a little, you know, a little light in the, you know what? But, uh, whew, boy. Uh, anyway, boys, I, I am sorry that he's here. Uh, but you know, you all continue, and uh, we'll just move right on. You don't know how to, you don't know how to like um, uh, remove him from this Zoom chat or no? You know, let me, uh, Jordan. How did you get on here? I didn't send you a link. How'd you get on? I okay, when you sent me your soundboard, there was uh, there was information there how to get into the Zoom meeting. So that was kind of that's kind of on oh you. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Jeez. Okay, let's move on, guys. Let's try and focus here. Sorry, we just got to get through this podcast. We've got to be cognizant of everyone's time. Um, so. Um, Lou, is Lou there? Yeah, he's here, but go ahead, Zach. Okay. Um, so, yeah, when we're, when we're looking at, um, I guess, the um, projections that you use, this year it seems like, a, like the landscape has changed. Like, it, it, I guess it's numbers versus nuance, and sometimes nuance needs to be focused on maybe a little bit more. Um, stolen bases are up this year. That's one of the things um, that I've been looking at. Uh, let's look at Straw and Mateo. Like they're both sub 700 OPS guys. Um, like Zimmerman would say they're, they're at risk of losing playing time. Um, also, our good friend John L. says that a low OPS, John Legaza Le, Le says a sub 700 OPS is actually helpful to Miles Straw because it allows him to steal more bases. Agree or disagree on that? Yeah, there might be some mild help there i mean I, I tend to be like jeff where um i would consider low ops guys at best roster rentals you know i'm trying to maybe if they're you use them for a week or two if if they're hitting lead off and they're on an sb run um you know it's hard to project stolen bases but they do tend to come in clumps because the one factor if a guy's running that you're you know is he's healthy and that's that's the easiest way to to get a guy from stopping. I would say the OPS argument, the plus on that is, 
I don't think it's a coincidence that Glaber Torres stole more bases last year when he couldn't hit home <laughs> runs for whatever reason, Fair. or that does seem like Semyon is running a bit more. I do think there's this, sometimes a guy will run a bit more, just almost out of guilt for not putting up uh, some slugging. Um, but I think that's kind of overthinking. I think I'd be okay if I was a Miles Strong or him hitting a couple more homers. Um, more. I would, I, that's the I, definition I, of more means there is something to begin with. I didn't say, I didn't say multiply by something. Oh, I just okay. say yeah, okay. additional home runs. Um, or yeah. Um, the, uh, but uh, yeah. So I, I tend to go with kind of Jeff on that one. Um, partially because yeah, you got to build around having a guy that that's so Sagnoff like straw um, or Mateo. I don't want to invest much in draft position. I want to have basically say, if I have a guy like that, um, I want, he's on the cutting line every week, potentially. Um, he's a rental. Straw is um, not somebody you would be, you'd be interested in drafting. Where, especially no, because well, where you, the draft capital, you can't, you don't, he's not at a position. You draft him in top 10 rounds. You're not drafting rentals then. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with Mate, you. Mate, Mate, Mateo was a, I mean, I'll give a plaudits to those that he was drafted in main events. Uh, wasn't really on my radar. Um, I've been felt like I got burned by him like years in draft champions. Yeah. It's a, this is, he's not an overnight guy. He was basically buried in the Yankee farm system and then the A's farm system forever. Yeah. He was like a prospect for like 10 years. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, that's hey, just kind of a roster contract preference Rudy, but. Rudy this is Bjorn um I've always I've always admired your work and I was hoping that um I, I'd love for you to be a part of the Bjorn to be wild segment I don't know if you know what that is um d- does it involve clay uh no I think I think I've got all the all the clay cleaned off of me but I would just ask you a question we get the we get Rick to fire up the the music uh Rick if you could do that yeah Oh my God! Really? Get get your get get your little bit. Oh. He's singing it. He's singing aloud. Why is oh my God? All right, Rick. Are you serious about this? All right, Why? Rudy. This, huh? this is uh, Bjorn to be wild, and I know that you have a great. Um, projection system and like a creative mind and I was wondering as a teacher I was wondering if you had any favorite projects that you remember from school or anything that kind of helped your creative mind flow Um, anything that stands out to you project wise or I did a a book of uh, poems Shel Silverstein inspired poems in fourth grade missing piece gifted in my gifted and talented program um, and, uh, yes, they, they served a purpose cause my younger sisters found them later in life and, uh, mocked me endlessly for these poems. Um, they were smutty. No, um, there's fourth grade. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that, that was, uh, that was pretty helpful. Cause I think I, I didn't, I didn't, I liked, uh, math and sports more. So that helped kind of, uh, spur me to, to write more and, and have any confidence in it 
Okay, well, they, no, that was that was useful. I, I know Shel Silverstein. Uh, they they have a poem about a snowball. I just ask because I'm always looking for ideas. Right now, the project that I have going, uh, whenever I sub at primary school, uh, it's called Walk This Way, and I make all the the six year olds they change clothes with like the fourteen year olds. And it's just called walk a mile in each other's shoes. And then they put on a show and they go on the runway and it's walk this way. It's, it's a great project and I'll keep your poem idea in mind too. So, so that's great. Thank you. Uh, Rick, do you have the outro music? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. okay. All right, guys. That's so, uh, Rudy, when when you when you met Gray, did you did you feel like you found your missing piece, like like the Shell Silver Silverstein poem? Yeah, no, not quite. I mean, we 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 were roommates and or um, next door neighbors at a dorm in freshman year. Um, he was a character. He was he was always a character. Um, he didn't have the mustache back then, but uh, <laughs> no, we were a good yin yang because I was pretty introverted. Um, and we shared uh, Jersey style humor. Um, cool. And uh, yeah. I don't know if anyone's so, going to get that joke. Uh, anyone knows the Shell Silverstein uh, catalog of books? The, the missing piece is the only one that I know. That's the only one. Yeah. I, somebody gave me that book when I was little. And I probably still have it somewhere. Yeah. They, uh, I've read, I dug out the books and read them to, with my uh, daughter. It's like, um, yeah, let's say most didn't age super well. Let's say the, the humor was maybe a little bit more for kids. But yeah, every once yeah. in a while, that giving tree is a is a lovely, a lovely allegory. That, How about that, a, a light in the attic? Is that yeah, that's what I had. That was the that and where, where the sidewalk ends. Rick, really. I didn't yes. take you for a Shell Service to Silverstein fan. I've no idea who the gentleman is. I just googled it, and uh, <laughs> here's what I've got: Is it a man or a woman? It it, it oh it, he is a man. He he's a vera looking man. If you oh, look at that, I thought it was a I thought it was a woman. And uh, That's no, no, it's short for I think Sheldon, and he also he also did like songwriting. He, he had a I think he had a pretty interesting thing. I don't know if he did any screenplays, um, but yeah. Oh yeah, I remember this one. I think don't bump the glump. Yeah, is that him? Yeah, that's him. I think I remember that one. Yeah, it's, it <laughs> sounds like sounds like him or uh, Doctor Seuss, but, but yeah, he did. He did a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, uh, American writer, poet, cartoonist, songwriter, and playwright. Wow, uh, that's an impressive damn. resume. Doctor Seuss is my second yeah, favorite and, doctor behind and he Dr. Looked, Dr. And Joe he Biden. Fucking badass! Look at that! Look at that mug! <laughs> wow, are you serious? That Shel Silverstein. Yeah. No way! Looks like Mr. T. Yeah, that, he's rocking. He's rocking the the bald paint. He's probably doing. He's doing better than me, man. Yep. Sorry, what was that, Bjorn? Yeah, what'd you say? What'd you say, Bjorn? Dr. Seuss is my fec- second favorite doctor behind Dr. Joe Biden. I, I, I thought you were going to say, I, I thought you were going to say Dr. Dave McDonald. Ooh, that is a, that is a good one, too. All right, Rudy, do you want to talk Joe about the, do you want to talk about um, uh, hitters, uh, not, or not projecting hitters to hit three, uh, 300 or more? Because there's something going on on Twitter, somebody, Somebody yeah. troll. I hate, I hate trolls. Um, 
<laughs> the, the guy was, I think some guy was trolling saying that uh, your projection system sucks or something because you're not projecting anyone hitting over 300. But again, it's a landscape. It's a stolen bases. Um, I, th- I think Mateo and Straw are even less valuable. I think we sort of glazed over that. I don't know uh, if we want to go back I, to that. I mean, I, I looked, I looked before and like they're worth like two bucks and five bucks. I think they're not, and they're not being terribly valuable per game. Yeah. I think there's, it, it's, to me, it'd be a player I wouldn't mind rostering now if I had a team that was particularly lopsided on homers and RBIs. But I tend to be the type that, um, for volume stats in particular, I just keep pounding them. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, but um, yeah, that, I mean, that, that one was a little tough because it was like one of those two follower people, but it was basically saying that, uh, I forgot what the context of it was, but it was, it, it was, it was showing something about the projections for rest of the season. And it was like, Oh, that can't work. Cause no one's over 300. And the reality mm-hmm. is, I mean, the environment has changed a bit potentially in the last week, obviously things are heating up a little bit in June, but I mean, as of end of May, we're looking at the worst batting average league wide in like, like one of the worst in recent memory. Um, and to be honest, it's it's still looking like a, a an environment where hitting over 300 would be a feat. Um, and what people forget is that there's a difference between saying, "I think a couple, I think five guys will hit three over 300," and naming those five. Like taking the field is always an effective bet, um, but the guys that do it might get there through like Babbitt flukiness or. They hit like the 80, they hit the lottery on contact rate. Um, that's unsustainable, like, you know, and, and they've regressed the next year. Um, so projection systems are all about the 50th percentile outcome that tends to regress the positive outliers. And when you look at, compare the preseason projections to rest of season projections, some of it, you're like, like, if you look last year, you'd be like, oh my God, it was so off on Marcus Semyon. You were so bearish. But then the guy that you'd be like, oh my God, you were so bullish on Glaber Torres. And it's like, well, yes, because basically one of them hit their 90th percent outcome and one hit their 10th percent outcome. And your goal is as long as you're um, getting it right at the 50 percent, your, you know, your, your hope is that the projection systems is set, you know, when that got that would have told you last year, instead of a seventh round pick, you should take semi in the sixth. No one was going to tell you to take him in the first, but you didn't have to. Um, so there's kind of an integrity that you worry about, about the projection systems. Um, and that, that's, it was kind of more, that guy had a little bit more of a knee jerk reaction. It's natural, but I don't know. I guess I was, feel, it was one of the few times I felt a little cagey. It was yeah. just kind of like, whenever you think, whenever you have like a thought about this and you're talking with some other people, like just assume you're wrong to start <laughs> with that assumption. And then, you know, well, I was disagreeing with him at first. And then once you disagreed with him, it made me feel better about me not. Um, yeah, he was, he was, yeah, he was wrong on whatever. So, yeah, it was yeah, basically saying that um, Trey Turner shouldn't have a lot of runs because he batted oh. third. Oh, yeah. And that, yeah, man, then I showed him like, you don't have to look at too hard. It's like, look, last year, a lot of Vlad led league in runs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he hit third. So it was like, yeah, that stuff was. Um, it's again, like sometimes where people like, uh, yeah, don't understand where you like a guy hitting second will score more runs, everything equal than a guy hitting third in general. 
right? But differences are real minor and everything's not equal. Right. <laughs> and Trey Turner is one of the better three hitters and is in almost lineup. inarguably the best lineup. So exactly. So we talked about this offline, actually, this um, another um, this, this sort of fits into like nuance over numbers or landscape changing, but like two star pitchers, we talked, we talked about this and this like this, you can get into a lot of depth on this, but it's like, like the decision we had last week, Snell versus please act for two good starts. Like, but my, I guess my question was like, there's gotta be diminishing marginal returns. Like eventually, like thinking economically, like you can't always like your 10th hamburger is not going to be as delicious as your first hamburger. And, and, and oh, I don't know about that. I, uh, <laughs> well, I'm ar- like, going to argue that one. Like, please, Zach might be your 10th. Like, please, Zach could be your 11th hamburger. Um, so uh, like, there's gotta be a point like in your, in your roster construction, especially with wins becoming, I, I think wins are becoming more scarce among starting pitchers um, where like you just because I guess maybe your system says, please act more valuable because I'll let you talk, I guess. But like, yeah. he, like if you two starts is going to get you 360 strikeouts across the season, like you like um, instead of 180, and that's using your example. But there's got to be a point where like it is not good. Right. So the way, yeah. So I talked about like a way to think about it is you have to think about it. That what is it's a world where uh, some of the pitchers are going to throw 62 times in a given season versus 31 times. Um, yet still, so you get to pitch two times out of five in the rotation and yet still put up the same amount of average innings. Um, so you're banking the K's you're inevitably going to get more wins, but not necessarily double. Um, and with that, with those two pluses, you're getting the potential negative of the ERA and whip. If it's bad, it's doubly bad. And that stuff's all factored in. Um, so that's why like a good pitcher going twice where you're getting the ERA whip is actually a plus. Yeah. Those are off the chart. Um, but yeah, so it's in there. I mean, I don't kind of see it. I see it that it doesn't really matter what your roster construct is. I'd rather if you've got the, if you can get it early bank, all that stuff, because, over as a year goes on, it's more likely you're going to have three to four closers. It's a little easier as the season goes on to stumble into some closers or, you know, teams get decimated. They don't have enough fab. So I'd rather bank as many K's and wins as possible. And maybe in August, September, I'm going five starters, four closers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all, it all depends on your, your, your last option. I'd say for me, I'm at the point where um you know, I'll bid on some of the two-star pitchers if I've got an empty slot and they're better, you know, like if, or more importantly, there's a guy I want to bench versus my starting nine. Um, but I tend not to go crazy on the bidding um, that, you know, but, uh, and if a guy gets closer to replacement level, you know, like I don't like doing two-star pitchers just for the hell of it. Uh, if there's a Colorado leg to it, I mean, he's generally going to be projected bad. Um, so, but yeah, it's been a, an area that I kind of tinkered with recently just to make sure I'm doing a, a good job, making sure that the ERA and whip penalty is equivalent to the wins in K. It's all reward. timing. It's all timing. 
like John Gray, man. Like I feel like he, I've mistimed him like every start this year. It's yeah. Uh, there's there's Dane, definitely Dane, guys. Dane Dunning, John oh, Gray, like oh well, yeah. Stephen Matz killed me. Guy had like <laughs> guy guy like got lit up on his best matchups. What, what about what about Eduardo Rodriguez? Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, because, I have him. Our, our friend, Mike, our friend Mike. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. That cat. Where's he today? I, 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 you brought all the other characters. Where's Mike? Well, I didn't think he'd believe him. Like hmm. as a kid, like I think these ones are believable. Yeah. No. Well, I, you know, uh, I, I just wow. Well, maybe I shouldn't get into it now, but my, Mr. Mouth uh, and I have a, you know, a bond that I want to explore. Okay. okay. So, e- Erod. Yeah, no, I mean, he was one that, um, he, he was one of the guys I was targeting early in like that eighth to 12th round. Um, and I just kind of went away from him. The projections, my projection system liked him, you know, a mildly above fab, maybe like uh, around above, I mean, not fab, above ADP. There's a good amount of players that do that. So, um, yeah, I think, I think basically if, if he pitched all season was healthy, he would have even things out a bit, but, um, it's just so hard trying to figure out how to get the rotation. Right. I mean, like it's, it's crazy. Like looking back and seeing how the guys are bunched and then how they're pitching now. Um, and how I don't, I don't like this lack of accountability here, Rudy. No, I had a, oh, I, t- I mean, when Mike put it out there, like, that's the thing. It's like, like, I, I don't have much ego on it. Like the data is out there. No, I can, I'm kidding because you were the one guy that actually like said, yeah, fuck. I, yeah. I had him ranked uh, like this. So it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, like as a drafter, I mean, like, I mean, I went through the, the rank. I mean, I think a lot of the projections driven by steamer. Um, um, I mean, like, but I felt good about his innings estimate that I had and, um, and the park factors and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, part of the, uh, the art of starting pitching is just trying to identify the, you know, get them all right. And yeah, when it works and like you look at a staff, you know, like I had a staff last year and then my main event, that was Woodruff, uh, Gaussman Musgrove, like at a two, seven, eight, like that, I hit the nuts. I mean, yeah. pretty, yeah. Like, or as, as close as one is going to get to the nuts and then had, and then the rest of the staff was like solid, you know, and then for everyone like that, then you look at like, Oh, why did I start with Robbie Ray? You know um, what the John Gray was for me this week? He was a staff infection. Terrible, terrible. And I sat him last uh, week, <laughs> born Bjorn's blunders. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but a lot, a lot more where that came from. Erod, even with even using hindsight, that part the park factors in Detroit seem amazing. Maybe it's just how bad their hitting is. It just it seems like Detroit's got to be like the number one um, uh, uh, offense to stream pitchers against. It's like yeah, that's what, I, that's what I, it feels like. Well, after I mean this this week, I I mean I I don't necessarily target a team, but it'll sometimes come up. But I know in my fab uh, I had. In uh, one of my leagues, all the three, the two start pitchers got taken. I know I had Pilfington, Bradish, and 
obviously Edward Cabrera were three guys I looked at. Those all got bid in, and my last guy in the queue was Mitch Keller for a dollar. <laughs> and he pitched yeah. real well today against Detroit. And I mean that that's the ones where yeah, it feels like um, yeah, it takes a a little bit of uh, temerity in order to. To, it's not, to, a, it's not a bad one because you got him for Detroit. Anyone versus Detroit, it seems. Good. Well, that, well, that's the only reason he popped up. So and he was, it was better than the, you know, like I basically, I streamed him for a dollar. This is a league where you only get a hundred. Um, this labor. Yeah. To avoid <laughs> playing. Um, I didn't want to start Tyler Anderson, who I've obviously been, He's been you know, quite fortunate with. I didn't like him at, at Chicago. It's at Chicago, and you can yeah. the, the, the lineup's definitely decimated. Robert's back, um, but Anderson's out, and uh, they got someone else out. It, it but uh, yeah, it's not as good as what you'd expect it to be. At this yeah, but it, but it's a, it's a tough it's a tough park. Um, the ball could you, you could have some really bad games there. So I preferred Keller. We'll see how Anderson goes, but obviously, aside from a win, he's not going to do. I don't think he's going to exceed what Keller did. Well, the good thing with Keller is you streaming him for on the Wednesday, which might set him up. And I don't know. I haven't looked. might set him up for a two start next week. Um, if, I don't know how many games they have. Yeah, but, that, that's probably going to be an ugly. T- <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a probably a good chance. Because, um, yeah, that staff's looking pretty good. Um, that, yeah, I'll, I, I could imagine Anderson. Ooh, St. Louis. Pittsburgh starts with St. Louis next week, so you might not want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ke- that, that's the thing I think um, – I'm trying with a lot of the projections and the tools and stuff like that is, uh, you know, don't, don't get over your skis on a guy that you're fluking with. So like, you know, Tyler Anderson's been fortunate. Uh, I would say like Tony Gonsolin's in that thing. What's going on there, buddy? What? Rick, what's going on there? Oh, nothing. Nothing voice. Just uh, getting ready for later. Sorry about that. Yeah. Which later? Um, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead but, I, but I think that's, I mean, you know, sometimes it, yeah, it, it could. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. I got to, I was, I've got to uh, talk a little lower. I was gone. Okay. That's, that's why I, um, that's just why I left. duck down, duck down then. Um, yeah, the, the uh, but yeah, no, I think part of what I'm trying to do is like sometimes it's pl- being too cute about like sitting a, a hot pitcher like Tyler Anderson. The other thing is like, yeah, trying to like time it that like, you know, if the matchups are bad, the matchups are bad. So uh, I kind of trust the system um, when making those type of decisions. So let's talk about the streamatron and hittertron. I don't know. Streaminator. Streaminator. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's only transform. Zach. What? Sorry. What? Just, you know, it's the man's product. You know, maybe you have a little bit of respect and actually remember the damn name. I'm sorry. It's, well, it's, you better it's, be it's, it's, it's inexcusable. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I did call him Giuliani, but I'm the I'm a I'm a happy customer, but I sometimes the names the names aren't as important as as uh, what they're doing to my fantasy teams. So hitters, looks like like just like intuitively, it looks like playing times king, matchups, ballparks. We've talked about all this batting order slot, like all these things. Like 
um, I guess skills become less relevant in small samples or not? Like, is that a true statement? Like, are, there, are these other factors I just mentioned become sort of overshadowed? Uh, I mean, it's kind of a thing where there's two ways you build a ranking system. One would be that you'd be testing all these factors and you'd have some for weighted formula. Um, the other is, I mean, right, it just projects every player. <laughs> and then and there's just a, 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 a thing that values it. So, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I'd say like uh, offhand, um, I do, playing time is huge. I mean, like the, the thought, you know, it's hard to, especially at the half week when you're looking at thinking about like a four game guy is a 160 game player and a two game guy is an 80 game player. What would you do for a full season? You'd never draft that 80 game guy. Um, I, I, I drafted Buxton though. Ah, that, 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 <laughs> see, yeah, with no replacement value, but that's fair enough. Um that's a good one. The um, so yeah, for hitters, plate appearance is probably a number one factor, and obviously things like batting order, um, their playing time. Like, are they going to start every day? Are they going to get set? Um, team games being the other thing, you know, factor into that. So, um, do skills become less relevant in small samples? It's just that, um, I mean, it's running the matchups on the hitter versus the pitcher. Um, so if your matchups are really good or you're just getting a lot of it, because in the end for hitters, four of the five stats are rates. Um, yeah, it's just it, the playing the uh, opportunities overwhelm the, the skill differences. Um, and then, I mean, then you always have the ballpark fact uh, the matchups get into the also ballpark factors, weather, which is a little tougher to project uh, much more than a day in advance, but there is some there. Um, That's impressive. I didn't know that you'd put weather into this. That's really intense. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, yeah. I mean, the weather stuff is, is pretty straightforward. I think I get like a three to four day forecast. Um, there's a little noise in the wind data. Um, but yeah, now all that stuff has some value. Um, I, I don't touch like umpire stuff. I know some do. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other things that, you know, I mean, the projections are not just looking at saying, uh, let's say, you know, who's uh, like Sandy Alcantara versus Juan Soto. It's not just saying Sandy Alcantara, these are his, it's saying these are his skills versus lefties based on regressing his actual stats for, you know, with some other base things, but from steamer. So I'm getting, this is what Alcantara is expected to do against the average lefty. And then I have what Soto is going to do against the average righty pitcher. And then you're running that through, you know, and then probably giving that like a weight of like two or three plate appearances. <laughs> and then every reliever is going through that same thing against Juan Soto. So on any given, any given week, I've got like Juan Soto projected against like 40 different pitchers. Cause you know, if you figure two or three, well, probably maybe, maybe 20 figure like two or three series, usually two series and then uh, each reliever. And then there's a little probability that he faces each of the relievers. 
you ever go back and look at like the, the, the matchups, the, the difficulty of matchups, say Juan Soto, like who he faced last year and, 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 and build that into your projections at all? No. Nah, so there's no historical thing on, on the hitter versus pitcher that that stuff, there's just never enough sample for it to be too meaningful mm. that at the end of the day, like there, there's these little, it's, it's like one of those things. There's little, there's probably little things you could glean um, maybe on the type of pitcher. Um but um, yeah, Could, not, couldn't, not, couldn't not, you not assign like pitchers a rating through one through five, and like uh, Burns and Cole are all fives, and and in each. Yeah, you could. I mean, like most. Of, I mean, like to get like eighty percent of the way on my thing is not incredibly hard with past game stats and stuff like that. Maybe you get it's getting a hundred percent. It is, it is near impossible. It's a lot of work. Well, it's well, but it's also kind of hack work, is what I'm saying. That at the end of it, like where this is looking and saying, so it's not just yeah, it's saying like okay, well, the expectation on average plate appearance against Corbin Burns against a lefty is, you know, I don't know, point oh point oh two homers, one in every fifty, and then he's facing jazz Chisholm who's one in every 10 or whenever, not, not one every 10, but I mean, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's done in a more rigorous way um, than kind of just saying stack racking guys one to 10 and saying, Oh, I like this guy. Cause he has, you know, I've, he has this Woba and, it, and so I think basically everything tries to replicate most things to try to replicate what I do um, inevitably are, are kind of doing um, a lot of hacks. So it just gets a point like, what's the, why? Yeah. I agree. Thank what? you for, for mentioning um, Jazz Chisholm today, Rudy. It's one of, oh, one of my boys. I don't know. I joined late. Did you guys already take a moment of silence for um, Scottish conductor and composer, Eric Chisholm? He died in 1965 on this date. I, I celebrate all Chisholms. One. We didn't, we missed that. Maybe next time we'll do that. Bjorn. Uh, we, okay. Thank you. Yeah. We'll, we'll get, we'll get to that next episode. I don't we'll have to figure out who that is. Um, um, Rudy, like you talked about like uh, sort of doing a moving average of um, shout out to John L moving average of um, saves and hold. Okay. Do, 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 you, um, do you look at like hot streaks for hitters? No. No, there's no, um, I've done some research there and there's just nothing. There's not enough there. Right. So, okay. So like not, not to spend too much time on this. I know I'm, let me know if we're bad for time. Pitchers, basically the same factors, like a lot of the same things, like ballparks, matchups. But um, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the great things about the, your tool is that you have like a in big red bull letters stream on, on the pitch, on the pitching forecaster. Yeah. Um, I got to ask you something. Are you really streaming Patrick Corbin next week? No, I thought I, saw I, I can't. So that's surprising. He, I, I mean, because he's been awful. He's what, what, where is it? Is it at home versus an awful? I'm trying to, team? I'm trying to look. It says stream Mil, Milwaukee. Maybe it's at home. It's, I think it's at home versus Milwaukee. It's just, oh, it's two, yeah, I think it looks like a two start. I think. Right. No, but the, 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 the forecast. Oh, no, it's, it's not, it's not a two start. Oh, maybe, oh, maybe it was this week. Jesus, mm. it's, it's, it has him streamed this week, and it says next week stream Corbin in Philadelphia. That's got to. That's got. That's got to. That seems odd. 
Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look at that one. Yeah, no. Um, you don't want your customers yeah. streaming Patrick Corbin, right? No. Okay. No. I just had to check on that. Um, uh, assuming it's still uh, 2022, no. <laughs> yeah, that's last time I checked. Um, so, like, we talked about the park factors. Um, are there any surprising, like, so far this year, par- uh, matchups or park factors that are like, sort of overlooked? Everyone's, everyone's like, in the boat, like, oh, let's see who was looking at, who's um, playing at cores. That's, like, something everyone does in the NFBC. But is there something that um, um, people don't really realize? I think Cincinnati, yeah. like you said, Cincinnati. It's been- yeah, the Cincinnati and Cleveland, if the wind's blowing out, but you can't predict that, really, at the beginning of the, the, the week. Obviously... You can pick people maybe, maybe, Vladimir Gutierrez. Yeah, that's Spider, I mean, maybe, maybe it did. I mean, it could be that that Monday and Tuesday, like the some of the Drury thing was and Senzel thing was that it was they're facing lefties Monday and Tuesday, and and the wind was blowing out. Um, I I don't think you know. Basically, everyone is you know um, most people are good at understanding like one factor. It's really like you know, uh, it's when everything kind of blended together and qua- and weighting each of those things and finding the edge is the tough part. So um, I, I, I find uh, generally the guys that pop to mind are ones that seem unintuitive or seem boring, um, tend to be the, the hitters that uh, I kind of go with or guys that, you know, maybe they're a week from being on someone's radar. So yeah, I mean, Oscar Gonzalez was probably the number one guy on 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 my uh, fat bids. Um, yeah. But then, you know, so, but I think I, did, I didn't get him everywhere. I know was some it, people went higher on him. Was it this um, week or the first week? Like, this week. This week. It was this week. Um, he, was, oh, he was already, he was fab last week in a, maybe like half the leagues maybe. Yeah, so, so I mean, the players are sharp. I, I, the, the key for me is that it's just, it's very rare that there's a guy that I look at and I'm like, particularly for this week, but for rest of the season, I'm like, this is a, this is a guy that I wouldn't consider a rental. This is a guy that I, I'd imagine on my roster rest of the season, unless he gets hurt. Um, so when those guys come up, I'll bid a lot, but otherwise I'm just spraying and <laughs> spraying out the money as much as possible. Um, and yeah. So I think, you know, when I see things like, you know, like, so I would have said Oscar Gonzalez is probably like a $30, you know, that would have probably been about my max on him. Um, because yeah, he's still an outfielder, you know, but, um, doesn't, I don't think he's, he's, he's fine. I mean, there was some potential like, you know, rent him a week and then see how it goes. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm, I tend to be one that is, uh, that has a decent amount of fab, um, right now. I don't spend a lot early because there's just very few, just very few guys that I think um, are demonstrable, like, you know, demonstrably better. Right. Uh, um, so the only, the only guy I think I've gotten in, I mean, across like my main event and our OC, we bid over a hundred and got to get Clay Holmes. I bid over a hundred on Kirby. I won like a fluke Mackenzie Gore getting dropped. And I, I went over 200 wow. for him. Nice. Um, and there, I think I went over a hundred on Danny Jimenez when it, that was a surprise drop and he was definitely the closer. And maybe I lucked out that 
we were runner up on that one. But that's part of the bidding, you know, like Danny Jimenez, you know, seemed to be like maybe a top 20 reliever. That's not going to happen often. Yeah, I could put a hundred or so bucks on that knowing. Yeah, no relievers, (laughs) no relievers safe. So my good, my good friend, Mark Cerebro, I don't, I don't know if we're doxing people and telling them the, the real names. Like I know, I apologize for doxing you, Mr. Andrikin, uh, last week. Um, but uh, he said to me that the one thing that he wants to hear on podcast right now is like, he doesn't care about next season or what you're going to do, how you come up with your system. He wants to know who are you picking up this week and how is it going to help him? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, he's a strong player. Um, you know, I, th- I could see why like Vlad's article would do really well for him and he's doing some work and you know, he's, he's there's stats that matter to him. I mean, it's, you, it, who are you fabbing this week? Are you oh, I have no idea. Okay. I mean, I don't even think about it till Friday. That's when the, the weekly ones come out. I don't think about it either. So it's an unfair question. Bjorn, who are you fabbing? Bjorn? Rick, Rick, you, Rick I think Rick just Rick just does all the DCs, and I think pretty sure Rick just copied Phil's Phil Dussault's uh, method. Yeah, yeah, I I did. I just kind of followed. You know, you Canucks kind of know how to do it up there, so you know, I'm just kind of going off you. Bjorn, what what are your fab? Um, I always do my milf work on Saturday. That's men I'd like to fab, so it's too early for me to give away oh. those trade secrets. Okay. okay. Uh, Are you guys ready? Right, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, right. ready? But yeah, I think that's an area where, uh, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, it's easier for me just to not think about it. And then um, I kind of like coming in fresh. And then, uh, yeah, and then if my process misses anyone, usually Vlad will show it. But I'm, uh, I'm, this year it's been pretty uh, smooth. So Jeopardy uh, is something we end off on. And uh, thank you, Rick, our, um, our valued uh, staff member uh, for information technology. You can cut off the music anytime you would like, Rick. Okay. Sorry about that. So I don't know if you can see the screen. Apologize, but you uh, haven't... Uh, so we have four categories on the board, as you can see, and uh, we have a chat in Zoom, and you can just uh, type the number one in the chat if you'd like to buzz in. And we usually give our guests um, first uh, selection of topics uh, or categories, and we have four categories tonight with um, two dollar values in each category, so five hundred and one thousand dollars. And I will read you the categories, and I will explain them as they are chosen. The first category is Mike the Mouth's avoids. The second category is NBC Sports Edge. The third category is the Razball account. And the fourth category is Nick Anderson. So we'll give our friend Rudy first um, choice here. Oh, wow. All right. I'll take it. MTM's avoid for a thousand. My buddy. So these are MTM's avoids. These are snakes. Um, or Diamondbacks, we'll call it. So this is a category about Arizona Diamondbacks because MTM avoidance, like anacondas, snakes, stuff, stuff like that, right? So this player is top 15 in saves, yet is 
Mr. Gamble's RP 117 on his Raider, radar, uh, Raider, player Raider, Rudy. Uh, Mal- that's going to be Mark Melanson. That is correct. So Rudy is I'm wow. keeping track of the score. He has 1,000 points, and he has control of the board. Uh, let's do the, the the 500 of that one. 500 for Mike DeMelsavoid. Again, these are snakes or diamondbacks. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> like snake. He's, he's, he's afraid of snakes. Um, so for 500. Last year, uh, only one player had a BABIP and average under 200 through June, and that player was Eugenio Suarez. Who is this player so far in 2022? Huh. Bjorn is first track at this. Uh, Christian Walker. That is correct. Good job, Bjorn. Nice. I'm hoping to get him to uh, get involved with my Walk This Way initiative uh, So with my school project. So, yeah, Christian Walker. Love it. Great. Um, yeah. So Walker, he's um, both. Yeah. Funny Jesus. Uh, through June last year, um, Suarez was the only, was the only player um, that did that. He had 16 home runs through June. Walker, I think has 15 now, if, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had his mm-hmm. 15th tonight. Um, Rudy, do you, do you see those players as similar? I think we were, we were talking, I was talking to a bunch of guys like that. I usually talk to tonight. I think they're the, the consensus is that Walker's the better player and some of the underlying metrics are better for him. How do you, how do you compare those two players? No, I have. I mean, Suarez was kind of off my board after last year. Um, just it seemed, I think Walker has a little better shot of getting his average up to like tolerable. And I just don't see it with Suarez. But it's also Suarez is in that awful park. Um, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he's, he's acclimated to it better than Winker. Yeah, that's true. Um, it might be a park that's worse for lefties. Um, that I'm I, sure. I just I just remember show like digging it up and showing like look, look at Kyle Seeger's career home road splits and you're going to want to puke <laughs> like like they, that that it, it's 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 he's never going to be a Hall of Famer or anything but wow it's it's a massive chasm in his uh, his road sets are way better and that's but pretty... Arizona Arizona's pretty shitty too like I, I remember listening to the podcast the compound with the Hap. they were talking about how players hated hitting in Arizona just the ball just like did not go anywhere there. Like Goldschmidt, yeah, after Goldschmidt, the humidor. Yeah, Goldschmidt complained. They said um, one of the guys, Stephen Sousa, was just like hating on it. But nah, it, Sousa's a hater. Yeah. All right. So go ahead. Next category. We got, we we've polished off Mike the mouth. Uh, Bjorn actually polished off. off Mike. The mouth. Bjorn polished <laughs> off that. Bjorn polished off Mike the mouth. So I wouldn't mind doing it. Bjorn. So it's Bjorn's <laughs> choice. He he got the last one. Yeah, Bjorn, it's oh, your. Oh, uh, your, thank you. You, you, you have control. I know. I know, Matt. You're not used to having control. You're. You're sort of. No, like, uh, no, I'm not. I'll. Yeah. I'll go with um, Nick Anderson for 500. So Nick Anderson for 500. Okay, so these are Yancey Eaton's most owned players. Because oh yes, yeah, the Eat Man. I was talking to him on Tweeter uh, earlier today. Great. Okay, so um, Nick Anderson for 500. Uh, again, Yancey's most owned players. This guy's still outfield number outfielder number 26 on Rudy's Raider after missing about 10 games this year, some of which he was suspended for. Oh my Rick, God. I'm buzzed. Uh, okay, you're, you're buzzed? Are you, are you doing the Eddie, Eddie no, uh, I'm, 40 hands with Lou? I am stone sober, but Lou is... Lou, are you all right? 
Okay. Lose, uh, Rudy, lose uh, Rick's neighbor. He just, uh, they live in a trailer park. He, he's he's deaf. deaf. He's yeah. deaf mute. He just does, he, he communicates through bird sounds. But yeah. He only, yeah, he only tweets. Uh, oh, can I, go ahead. Can, can I guess Raymond uh, Liriano, please? Uh, you're incorrect, uh, Rick. That's not right. So you're negative 500. We, uh, anyone else can buzz in at this point? Bjorn. Um, Tommy Fantastic. You are correct. That is correct. And that is Yancey's most owned player. Number one on the Yancey Raider is uh, mm. number 26. So Bjorn, you still are in control. I know something that's it's something foreign to you, but you're in control. Thank you, Zach. Uh, Nick Anderson for 1,000. Okay, these are Yancey's most owned players. You see him, you see him all he owned uh, Nick Anderson? That was great. Um, so yeah. this player has more stolen bases than Miles Straw, but still lower on Rudy's player ranker in 15-team leagues. Hmm. Rudy. Rudy is, this Dil- is, is, it, is this Dylan Moore? <laughs> no, it's not Dylan Moore. He has more stolen bases than... Uh, I think still- it, isn't it one one per one Pierre? No, it's not. Okay. All right. Looks like Bjorn buzzed in. Uh, is it Harrison Bader? No, he, and he wouldn't be lower on the player rating than Miles Straw. The answer is Jorge Mateo. Orange Mate. Okay. Okay, so let's speed this up. You're, you um you now have control still. Rasball account five hundred. Rasball account for five hundred. So um, these are people who signal and are virtuous, i.e. catchers. So they just sing, they signal and they're and they're good catchers. So uh, for five hundred, um, this is the only catcher that has at least five home or a home that has at least five home runs but has more home runs currently than he does on his rest of season steamer projections. So more home runs already than he does on versus his rest of season steamer. Uh, Rudy. Cal Cal Raleigh. Bingo. That's a very tough question. And he got, that is impressive. So, and that's the gentleman who has set the uh, all the all time record for games played in a row, the Iron Man. Correct. <laughs> no. Okay, Is that Rudy, not okay? Rudy, do you think do you think uh, Cal Raleigh has staying, staying power? Um, man, I was considering him as a catcher flyer this last week, so I'm a little bummed because I think he's got two homers already. He does. Um, and I think I've got hedges. Ugh. Shout out um, to shout out to Jay Tazawa. I don't know who that is, but uh, he he added him twice at least, and on in Fab this week. So good, good, uh, good there add. Him. Go. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do the a thousand. Thousand for the Rasball account. Again, these are people that signal and are virtuous. Um, this catcher is the only catcher and only player aside from Juan Soto, Stephen Kwan, Arias on the Twins, Bregman, and Jose Ramirez to have a year to date plus steamer rest of season. Walk to K over one. More more walks than strikeouts 
in his what do you think, Lou? current plus rest of season steamer. Only catch, only catcher, and only player beside the besides the ones that I listed. He's just speaking Chinese to me. I don't know all that stuff. What do you think, buddy? No one's buzzed in. Everyone's thinking. Um, again. Oh, Bjorn. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Rudy. Ty goes to the guest. Is it uh, <laughs> is it Kelbert Ruiz? No, that's uh, not correct. Bjorn. Uh, what about that terrible guy this year, uh, Grandal? Grandal? No, that's not that's not correct. I'm, I'm afraid to even ask Rick. Do you have I, no, I got it. It's Mike Pizza. <laughs> no, the answer is uh, Alejandro Kirk. Hmm. The answer is Alejandro Kirk. He's that. Uh, now is he a dwarf? They don't call them that anymore. But I was uh, very close to him the other night, and he's. I might be taller. Than him. I might. I might. I might be taller than him, actually, and that's saying something. You were right. close to him. And what capacity? What capacity? Um, just I was at the I was at the Blue Jay game. I saw him. I was close. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, who's who's got control of the word? We got two categories. Uh, two uh, two questions left. Is it Rudy? Or is oh it- yeah. Um, do the a thousand one. The a thousand NBA. You like to go big first. So NBC Sports Edge. Okay, this is um, misleading information. Um, so the things that would maybe mislead you. So among qualifiers, um, only only one player um, has over seven barrels per plate. Per, sorry, seven barrels per batted ball event, and an extra and an average exit velocity under eighty five miles per hour. This player is hitting two eighty and has eleven home runs entering tonight. So it's misleading. It's it's, mis, it's misleading because the low exit velocity, the, the low average exit velocity, would lead you to believe he's a bad player. But he actually has over seven barrels per batted ball event and eleven home runs. So that hmm. the misleading part is the using the average exit velocity. He has eleven home runs. He's hit eleven home runs entering tonight. I've uh, been busy, haven't been paying attention to the game. And he was batting 280 entering tonight. And he's the only player with over seven barrels per batted ball event and an average exit velocity under 85. Uh, jerk pro far. No, that's not right, Rick. You're going to be docked a thousand for that. I don't know. Bjorn, did you buzz in? Uh, is it George Springer? No, but he is a former teammate of George Springer, but you're wrong. That could be about a million people. Not really. Not really that many. Now he played for the Ash. What is it? The Astros for a while. It's not Altuve, is it? Jeff Bagwell. Well, we got Rudy with the right answer. Rudy is crushing this game. He's got that. I don't even think you guys can catch up at this point. This is Wait, now. So we just went. That Kirkman and now Altuve. Yeah. What's a collective height there? Like Undertaker size or Kane <laughs> or something like that? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't watch wrestling, so you. I don't know how uh, tall. You know I don't, the reference. I don't, you knew the reference. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know how tall he's. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Last question here. 
we got uh, NBC Sports Edge for 500. Again, uh, these are this this category NBC Sports Edge is misleading information. And um, for 500, among qualifiers, this player is top 10 in average launch angle, yet only has four home runs. So he's top 10 in average launch angle. Again, average launch angle misleading because it's not that useful. Uh, I think his average launch angle is around 21. And, uh, but he only has four home runs this season, in, uh, almost like a full Rick. He buzzed in. Uh, it is Oscar the Grouch Hernandez. Thank you very much. I think you're trying to actually say the right answer. But who is who do you think? I am. <laughs> I think you kind of said it, but who, who are you? Act, like, I don't know who that is, but like, I, who are you trying to talk about? It's, I want to say Oscar Hernandez. Oh, T. Oscar Hernandez. No, that's not right. <laughs> I thought I didn't know if you meant like Oscar Mercado or Oscar. Okay, no, no, Oscar. No, that's not correct. But Damn it! You're close. You had the same. You had the, you had the right last name. <laughs> you had the correct last name. This player has four home runs. Uh, was was it a uh, Cesar Hernandez? No, the answer is um, actually. Enrique Enrique Hernandez. Yes. Good good pronunciation, Bjorn. Ah. Hmm. I could see that. So do you, th- you have, yeah, do you think uh, Enrique is gonna turn it around? Actually, He's he, hurt. He, he actually prefer actually the the player pr- preferred pr- uh, pronunciation is actually Kike. He actually prefers Kike. So um Bjorn, I, that wasn't very um that's kind of yeah. problem that's kind of problematic, Bjorn, to call him Enrique. I'm sorry, Kiki. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not a, I'm not bullish on Enrique Hernandez. He had a, uh, he had some horrific home road splits last year. Um, I think he just feasted at Fenway. He's just a guy that if he gets hot, you know, um, I could, I could see rolling with him. He's one of the few guys that seems to be a, uh, seems to be streaky. But uh, unless he's hitting leadoff, not a lot of value there. He was getting dropped in a bunch of like, especially 12 team leagues that I'm in. Um, I know a lot of like uh, sharp players would be pouncing on him to pick him up. Yeah. I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan going into the year. So um, yeah. So not, not what haven't been overly surprised by that, but I mean, I also like Verdugo and he's, he's just now coming around. Yeah. I actually dropped Verdugo actually in the only league I had him in and now he's turning around. But uh, anyways, um, I, thank you, Rudy, for um, coming on the show. I, don't, I, don't, I know we've already gone past the, your likely expected time uh, that yep. you spent here. So I, I know you're probably getting shit. So I'll let you go. Okay. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Nice meeting y'all. Yes. Thank you very much. Rasball. Very nice. Rasball.com. Follow him at Rudy Gamble on Twitter. And um, the, the, the tool that he provides is excellent. I recommend it to everyone. Not to Bjorn, though. Why not? Uh, well, he wouldn't get any use out of it. He cut a plaster caster's tools from what, I, what he was saying with all the clay. <laughs> all right, Rudy. Thanks uh, a lot. Thanks. Thanks, Rudy. Bjorn, this is your outro song, I guess. Great. We're still on the air. Yeah, we're still recording. 
Okay. But, um, um, Rudy, so Rudy, 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 Rudy is, that was great, guys. Um, do you want to do a little uh, debrief, like um, after the um, after hours, like um, that Cohen guy does on the Desperate Housewife or the Real Housewife yeah. channel? Yeah, or the Talking Dead or one of those things. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Rudy Giuliani. And I thought it was. Uh, Come on, you, you couldn't have really thought it was Giuliani. Of course, you couldn't. Rudy G. Who the hell is named Rudy G. Other than that man? You got Toby G. Giuliani. You got Toby G. Backflip crazy. You, would, you, you think, you, would, you, would you think that's Toby Giuliani? If we brought him on the podcast, we should bring Toby, Toby, Giul- Ch- Toby Giuliani is uh, Rudy's grandson. So, yes, that's exactly what I would have thought. You've got uh, Kenny G and his yes. album, uh, Sax on the Beach. Love that one. Yep. Kenny Galladay. Kenny G. No, no, the musician. We should bring Toby G on this podcast. We haven't had him on since um, maybe he hasn't met you guys. He wears a lot of different hats, I noticed. But uh, what I wanted to say is I have a plea for a gentleman named uh, Mouth the Mike Madison. And this man has been a high-stakes fantasy player for some time. He was on the Draft Champions podcast last week. Uh, We have a connection. I know that if we would hang out, we would get a big bowl of uh, uh, pasta visual, and uh, we would split it. Maybe a noodle would be in my mouth. Maybe a noodle would be it. <laughs> like Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> Lady, Lady and the Tramp? Yeah. Excuse me. I just, I, I've been having a bad week. And I know him and I would be friends. I'm lonely. Uh, my, uh, Matthew, Mike, reach out to me, please. DM me on Twitter. Please respond when I tag you. That's just all I have to say. Yeah, he's not really he's not he's not very responsive. All he does is tweet about how how bad the Mets are and how much um, everyone should have um, warned him about um, Eduardo Rodriguez. So he doesn't really do too much else. I, so I'm not really surprised that he's not uh, responding. Well, you know, uh, I do feel that he should have taken ownership of that issue. But that said, what I wouldn't give for a night to just sit down and watch some 80s classics. You know what I mean? Um, I know he's into that. He picked that Unchained song last week. And uh, yeah, I just know we'd get along swimmingly. So Great. Hey, yeah. Hey, Rick, did you hear that Gabriel Marino is getting called up by the Blue Jays? That's all I got to say to that, boys. How did I know that that's what you're going to say? Jordan, well, let me guess. You're slobbing on it. You like uh, Gabriel Mastriano? I haven't looked at his picture yet, so I can't. I don't know. Huh. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, this what was this clay talk all about? Tell me us. Tell us a little bit more about this pottery barn or whatever the hell uh, you did over the the weekend. It was a pottery retreat, and it just it totally reset my zen. Let me tell you, it was wonderful. I think that's why I got some some questions right tonight on Jeopardy. It, I I don't think I've ever done that before. You you did fantastic, Bjorn. I'm really proud of you. Um, Rudy did clean up, uh, and he, he did win Jeopardy, but you did you did great. Thank you, Zach. Before we go, I just wanted to ask: Is this clay or uh, clay? Um, 
Clay Albright, is he going to be ever back on this podcast? Like, I know he's the human guy, human resources guy, but I just, he stunts us. And I, I just want to be able to have, you know, creative freedom here. And I just don't know that well, he needs to be here. I don't know. It's not really my call anymore, but um, I don't really see a reason for human resources to be on this podcast. They should be behind the scenes. And frankly, so should, so should you. And, and Bjorn, I don't even know why you are even like, why do you exist in this realm anymore? I don't understand wh- why, you, why you need to be here. Well, that's a valid. What is your actual role, Bjorn? I don't know what it is. You like, yeah, like that, that, that makes sense. Not to gang up on you, Bjorn, but like Rick is IT and Clay is HR. And um, actually, I've been talking to Michelle Curland and he or she, I don't know which it is, but um, uh, he or she is um, actually filing some complaints against um uh clay so maybe i shouldn't bring this up now but yeah my uncle i know at at one point served on the board of the dcn and he got me onto this podcast i don't know if he's still on the board i i haven't talked to him recently but that's how i got my my foot in the door uh you know so to speak who's your uncle what's his name is master is masterson uh yes his his name is actually just um well i just call him swedish Swedish Masterson. Swedish Masterson. Okay. Um, well, you know, I just, I don't want Clay here. I want to be able to have our creative freedom. And, uh, you know, I want to be able to say what I want to say. I don't want to be bookmarked every damn second. Okay. And I'm sure he's going to release a whole big thing about this podcast tonight. And, uh, you know, at Godfather and FBC, I just want to say to you that there. You can feel a fire here. And I know you can feel it in your lawn. Excuse me. I know that you can feel it too. Uh, My aim, instant messenger name. Okay. As White Castle, White Castle Boy, one, two, three. Okay. I'm on every single night. And I just want to instant message with you. We can talk about 80s pop culture, whatever it might be. I just, we have the same view on life. That's all I got to say. Maybe Rick I, is, is that White Castle boy B O Y or B O I? It's B O I. Why? I don't know if like do you think MTM has AOL? I, I think it'd be safer if you just like if you're isn't just, he like seventy? Yeah, so probably. I mean, probably so maybe he like I I'd venture I guess that he has IC he's probably an ICQ guy. Did you, did you ever have ICQ? No, is that a Canadian thing? No, I don't believe so. I think it's just an old messaging system. Maybe a, like a Jewish or an Italian thing, man. I don't know. I'd love uh, to get a hold of those um, poems that Rudy wrote. Those are probably pretty, pretty touching. I'd like to take a look at those. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you should, have asked him. You, should have, you should have asked him if you had the chance. He was, he was, he was on. You had a face to face on on Zoom. I looked up a picture of that uh, Shell Settlemeyer, whatever their name is, and Stottlemeyer, uh, Mel Stottlemeyer, and I. It is not at all what I thought they would look like. That's no. all I'm going to say. Um, First of all, I thought Shell Silverstein was a woman. Same. Uh, you should never, and it, that's a valuable lesson, right? You should just never assume that. Mm-hmm. What do you think uh, their pronouns were? Who? They, you, just, you just said it. They, Mel Stottlemyre. No, you just, said, you just said, what do you think their pronouns are? You, you, just, you just. Well, I didn't want to. Gave, you, gave, you gave away the answer. That could be, that could be one of the things. I said there because I didn't want to assume he, her. You just uh, did assume. You know, 
dog. But you just uh, did assume by saying there. Jesus, see, this is the battle you can't win. And I, you know what? I don't even want to get into this. Right, I don't sure. even want to I just, get into I just took you. I just took you to pronoun school. Yeah, you did. And I want, there's another man in fantasy baseball I would like to take me to school. And... Mike the Mouth? That's all I got to say, boys. All right, I'm going to disconnect this goddamn thing. I'm going to get the bat. I got Lou tweeting at me like a damn banshee over here. And, uh, I thought we were done recording like 10 minutes ago. Oh, no, 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 we're on the air. No, this, this, air. this is um, this is a debrief. So I think it went very well. I was very excited to have Rudy on. He's one of the smartest people that um, you'd really talk to in fantasy baseball. So um hope you guys didn't scare him off. I don't think I scared him off at all. I think whenever we got into that pottery bit, it probably wasn't something that he was entirely interested in. Um, well, no, he, he thought he, talk, he thought that Bjorn was talking about Clay Holmes. No, you know, he wasn't. He was talking about Clay or uh, Clay Albright. But uh, that's what I think. Bjorn, is that what you were talking about? Because, you know, I notice you guys, the way you're talking to each other, each other on Tweeter, I, <laughs> I don't know. It seems like something a little fishy's going on there, if you know what I mean. What's going on, Bjorn? Okay, maybe we should take this offline, guys. You paying the Pied Piper? Huh? Yes, yes. Actually, Bjorn, I, I think I know. I think I know your your grandfather who was on the board. Okay. Was, it, was his name? Was your grandfather's name um, Magnus? Magnus Masterson. Oh yeah, world's strongest man. Yes, yes, and he knows he knows MTM. That's how yeah. that's how MTM got on the show originally. It was Magnus Masterson, your grandfather, old board of directors, draft champions. He he did competitions with MTM. Yeah, and um, they oiled each other up and just yeah, bar- barrel chested muscle man. They would pick up tires and they would swing them around together and just ah. Oil flying everywhere. It was crazy. Yes. Okay. So that uh, now, it's, uh, yeah, there you go. Now, now, now everything's making sense. Buttering each other up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Rick, you can end this anytime you want. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and end this. I've been tasked with uh, actually, I, my music isn't working tonight. So I'm supposed to sing. Uh, the outro song and Jordan wanted me to play Walk This Way by Aerosmith because it was stupid. Make kids change to each other's clothes <laughs> program. You uh, got to walk a mile in a man's shoes or a woman's shoes, heels, whatever, to know the, to know what their their story is. So, yeah, sing us out, Rick. Okay, here we go. Way to go, Lou. All right, boys, that's it. That's all I got.